Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. In this project, we talk about dancing, Wikipedia, and we have part one of our interview with Catherine Loveday from Kids Inspire. Welcome one and all to The Kindness Project. I'm joined by two chaps who used to share a bunk bed. (laughs) (laughs) We did. (laughs) Uh, it's Chris and Russell Dames. Go on then. <laughs> I'm joined by Chris, who regrets sharing my bunk bed. <laughs> Can we just <laughs> clarify, we weren't in the same bed. We had different bunks. On oh, well, the, uh, yeah. there were the some nights when you might have rolled in a little late and tried to climb in bed with me. <laughs> Accidentally, Russ. Accidentally. You were, I mean, I mean, it was a shame is you're now a bit more cuddly. So, <laughs> so now I could like, I was all bad with that then, when I, uh, yeah. Uh, um, but yeah. I, Russ, I hear he's quite asleep. I, he was quite a sleepwalker in his youth as well. I, right. I, I, don't, share, uh, I, I don't, don't remember that. Oh, no, we are not sharing <laughs> the story that I told you last week <laughs> on the podcast. No, no I mean, you did... that side in your pants, remember? I did. He, he did used to have lengthy conversations with himself in his sleep. <laughs> I, I, I was a sleep talker. To wake yeah. up and he'd be talking to himself. I had a full conversation with mum that I don't remember, and mum thought I was sleeping, but it turned out I had a concussion, so it was slightly different. <laughs> when was that? Um, it was one of my birthdays, and uh, I can't remember. No, I do remember how I got the concussion. <laughs> Share the story. Share the story. Oh, you're involved. <laughs> you're the one who gets it. Oh. We were, remember we were dancing He's to Gangnam Style. <laughs> we were dancing to Gangnam Style and what happened? I can't remember. What happened? <laughs> we did the thing and my head was too low and you went up. Oh, I, I, I accidentally injured you while dancing to Gangnam Style. Yeah, and then I the, got a concussion. The problem is, the problem is I've, I've injured too many people dancing to Gangnam Style. I forgot. Um, so... <laughs> Gangnam style is a bit of a dangerous dance, let's mm-hmm. be honest. Because your wrists go everywhere. Exactly, exactly. I mean, I, clearly I did it accidentally. And I do, let me, I know I was doing a fake apology last week, but <laughs> can I just apologise for making you can cast <laughs> during Gangnam style? <laughs> you, always, I... you always forget. You always forget, but it is quite a funny story. Right, let me apologise for hurting you <laughs> during a dance of Gangnam's. <laughs> At least eight years ago. Up in court. Sorry? I accidentally done it dancing to Gangnam's style. I wonder if that stand up in court. <laughs> well, I mean, it was an accident. Yeah, and it was like eight years ago, so... You were a child. This doesn't make it any better. I no, injured... I was talking about the Statue of Limitations, but sure. I, I injured a child dancing to Gangnam Style. That's parenting 101, isn't it? Right. Not, I know I'm not getting this right sometimes, Charlotte, but no no other dad in the world has ever injured their kid dancing to Gangnam Style. Oh, that's like that. I'm sure you can find plenty on TikTok. <laughs> uh, you'd, you'd be surprised how many videos on TikTok of parents dancing with their kids 
end up with someone on the floor. Yeah, that's right. I don't, I, you know what? Weirdly, I know we were talking about Eurovision last week. Um, so, um, I've just found Sam Ryder on TikTok, and I, I like the Eurovision song, but he's just got an underground cracking voice. Have you not looked him up? No. I'd recommend, Rose, you have a look at Sam Ryder on TikTok. Some of us are a tad too busy to be looking on TikTok. You know who I haven't found on TikTok that I want to find on TikTok? Oh, Harry Baker. Harry Baker, is he on TikTok? I haven't, I haven't found him yet. Uh, he probably is, but I haven't found him yet. He hasn't come up on my FYP. So, so you're too busy for TikTok, Russ? Who's Harry Baker? Well, Harry Baker is a uh, baker. No, he's not. No, he's, not. he's a is uh, a musician. Um, is he a musician? And, and one half of one of Charlotte's favourite uh, comedy co- rap jazz comedy duo. rap jazz poetry oh, duos, yeah. Harry and Chris. Have you ever heard of Harry and Chris? I haven't. No, check them out. They're good. Playboy. Yes. Yeah. And what what song would be? Because this is the big thing, right? There's a there's a band that both uh, me and Charlotte really like at the minute called The Amazing Devil. Yes. Check them out as well. They are uh, brilliant. I'd start with Fair, uh, Farewell Wanderlust. No, I'd start with, hold on, I'd agree with you. I'd start with Fair, then I'd move on to Welly, Welly Boots, Boots. Yeah. and then I'd move on to uh, Farewell Wanderlust. Just quickly um, in reply to your question, though. I don't have time for TikTok because I'll tell you why. Mm. You pop on there just to look at something quick. Yeah, and you, you go down the rabbit you hole. You just spend ages just flicking through videos. Well, this is the thing. I mean, I, you know what? I, 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 we, we're having this conversation on the podcast quite a lot at the minute around mental health and managing your own attention and what you choose to consume. And I think that's a completely fair comment, mm. Russ. I think trying to trying to make sure that you manage your attention in a way where you're not distracted by the stuff that, you know... Yeah, you, but I've started doing what you do now, putting my phone on silent while yeah. I'm working through the day. 100%, yeah. Do not disturb is, yeah. is going to be your best friend, 100%. Uh, you, know what's a, you know what's a game you can play that sort of... Um, controls the rabbit hole. Um, it's we. Uh, you go on Wikipedia. You set yourself a start point, and you have to try and get to something else entirely. And you have to time yourself and do it as quick as possible. I I, I like the idea of um, a quiz where you get to use Wikipedia, but you've got to get from one place to the other yeah. in the quickest way possible. Yeah, so that's what we just uh, so. Uh, during lunch on Friday, uh, me and some of my mates were having like races, and I think we went from Venus to Kim Kardashian. Yeah, and yeah. it's just like love that, love that. Was, How do you only using links? Only using links. Only yeah. using links. Do you get from one to the other in the quickest possible time? I I like that. Idea. Mm. Yeah, really, it's really, really fun really like as well. Uh, I, I think, and it a, gets really competitive. I think as a quiz round, I, I actually think instead of doing a quiz that doesn't use mobile phones, you could do an entire quiz that only uses mobile phones to solve certain games. I, I think that would be the uh, that would be the way to go. But but yeah, we, we'll see about that. However, what we need what we need to do, I, I think, and Russ alluded to, is make sure that it, it's 
a tool and not a distraction to our lives. And I think we, yeah, we, we need to make sure we do that. What do you think? Well, I definitely, I definitely think it uh, is a powerful tool. A tool, tell, tool to be used in our lives. But, but, uh, moderation is important as yeah. all things, and also it can give you migraines, which I don't mind. Yeah, yeah, we 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 don't mind that. Let's move on to this week's question of the podcast, which is. Um, what's the last thing you won? Because uh, as we were sitting here recording the podcast, uh, my wife, Gazzy, wandered over and said, I've just won. I said, what you won? And it was a mango sunlander. <laughs> just a mango mustard. No, a mango. Why do they just name colours after stuff? It looks like mustard. It, is it mango or mustard? It's mango. It's musco. <laughs> or... Mangered. It's mangered. It's mangered. It's a mangered mongols. Um, Yeah, it's just covered in uh, Japanese um, comic books. Yeah, it's a a manga, sun lounger. (laughs) You sit on it and you want to do a karate job. Um, uh, So Cassie is getting a mango sun lounger and she won that from a. uh, uh, They're not sponsoring us, so I won't mention them. Um, uh, From a large. retailer um that you will know does fa- fashion called Dunhill. i said i wouldn't mention them but i just did fashion uh, uh, uh <laughs> <laughs> have you never worn a sun lounger they're amazing um you uh, have to sellotape it where would you sellotape it <laughs> oh, if no, you, you unofficial <laughs> question of the podcast if you were to wear a sun lounger <laughs> how would you wear it russ i'm just thinking about this with a belt. Uh, the cushions. Yeah. I've, I've seen this done where they dress up their kids as like like um, states in the America. Right. And and cut the cut the shapes out of the farm. Right. So you go as an American state. No, what American state would you go as? No, I won't go as an American state. I'm just saying, I've seen it done. Well, what, what, surely you'd go. I'd have um, to go. I'd have to go for a long American state, or it'd be like a mini mini state. Wouldn't it? <laughs> well, I mean, maybe you could go in the shape of the your, what you consider your favourite city <laughs> well, and the best city in the world, apparently according to you, Norwich. Let me just clarify with you. What shape is Norwich, right? As, as you already know, I prefer to dress down than up. Right. That's why you should go as Norwich. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, so dress down, what does that mean? I, I like How are you using the foam if you dress like, it down? I like to turn up places undressed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 no. TMI, we're, we're coming back to this again, TMI. Oh, Cooking Naked with Rust is making a comeback. Cooking Naked with Rust, yeah, yeah. We I should get that off the ground, really, shouldn't I? You should do, you should do. Send us a video, we'll ignore it. Send it on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Cooking Naked with Rust. Just two bits of bacon. No, let's not even go there. Right, let's um, talk about the question of the podcast. What's the last time you won something? Yeah, we want to know what you won in a competition as a prize. What have you won? What have you won, Ever Russ? Because you, um, you, you're saying you're loving the heart, make me a. a I'm, I'm not loving it. You're not loving it because you can't <laughs> get broke. 
I never get picked. Oh. And it is quite frustrating. You know what? If you, so sad. You know what? So sad. Well, how are you? Oh, that's two fifty a cup as well. You know what? This is a, this is the thing. I I don't win anything because I just don't enter anything. I yeah, just, you're just I, paying for someone else's jackpot at that point. Is that what? Well, uh, the reason I don't enter anything is I just think I'd rather keep the money in my pocket and just spend it on what I choose to instead of being at the whim of uh, of, of somebody who's run, running the competition. You know what, is think... that a really curmudgeonly way to look at it? I don't yeah. know. I think it's sensible, but I, you know what I think is brilliant, and I find them quite entertaining when people um do the lottery of houses and like everyone pays a pound yeah but you know you know this is the reality of it let's say it's a million pound house they just will not um they'll continue to sell tickets until they've raised four five six million mm. that's the way it works so I don't, that's that one i see on itv yeah yeah, Omaze, Omaze. Omaze, yeah. But, but yeah, that, 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 the reality of that is that is a business. It's oh, not... That's funny, man. Uh, I, 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 the, the challenge I've got with it is often it's the people who can afford it least who um, who spend the most money on entering those sort of competitions. Mm, yeah. So where's the line between somebody spending a couple of quid and somebody entering 20 times and it turning into a gambling addiction? I, I just mm. don't know the answer to that. Um, but it's, it's, it's an interesting conversation. You know, um, you used to... Um, I keep talking about this because I've been thinking about uh, early lotteries, like in the time of Elizabeth I. They Ooh, did, uh, so in the time of Elizabeth I, they did lotteries to... Um, avoid raising taxes so uh they sort of said to people here's a really expensive lottery ticket um and if you win uh you can win something that's been used by the royal family and then we'll use that to fund our navy and, and uh protect our port towns and stuff like that um and it so was what could you win in these old lotteries? Like, uh painting portraits spoons oh. used by the Spoon. queen oh, <laughs> and it... people used to pay thousands um but then also it became a popular thing to not have a ticket but to own shares in a ticket so you could own shares in a lottery but then, ticket and then the problem is how do you share the spoon <laughs> if you win a tenth of well, a spoon then... do you just get to use it for a day and then you've got to give it back to the syndication there don't it yeah, exactly, exactly. But that's fine if there's like a a thing you can split. So if you're entering something, um, okay, and well, they can would sell it on and then split the money. Ah, yeah. right. Okay, okay. I'd want a spoon. I'd I'd want a spoon used by the queen, <laughs> and I'd use it for my coffee every morning. <laughs> that's what I'd do. Yeah. What would you? Unofficial question in the podcast, Russ. What would you like from the queen's house? <laughs> That should, gonna, that should be an official question. Yes. That should be an official question. We're using question. that. We are using that for you the know, official question. You know, it's such a shame that because... <laughs> oh, You've been stealing from the Queen's house. See, the thing is... I mean, because you're, in, because you're very close, actually, geographically, from the Queen's house, one of the Queen's houses is in San... Quite close. In the half hour. Half hour down the road. I might pop out and knock on the door. <laughs> Try and <to> explode. <laughs> right, you don't ever ask me to get a spoon. <laughs> <laughs> Just imagine knocking on the door and going, you've got any spare spoons, mate? Sorry? 
Only one of the queen's used. Like a spoon. From the queen. Have you got have you got a bowl of sugar? No, I can borrow one. Um, just knock on her house and just go. You got any old unused family portraits? Have you got a spare um you know crown? Have you, got a spare, have you got a spare? Have you got a spare hat? No, I could borrow. I've always viewed that as a bit old-fashioned, though. What do you mean? I, I would say a lot of the stuff in the house, in the Buckingham Palace or or Sandringham or that, is quite old-fashioned. Yeah, mm. yeah. And I'm modernistic, so. Oh, uh, exactly. So uh, yeah, I, I don't buy yourself some more. I don't reckon you see the doors on a Mac job. if you know what I mean. Well, exactly. It wouldn't fit with your deep deep. Decor, decor, mm-hmm. would it, Russ? Oh. So there's no point. No, no, Russ, you steal the spoon from the Queen, right? Step one. <laughs> right, step one. Go on. Step two. Sorry, is oh. the podcast turned into a heist movie? Go on. Step, step two. One. Authenticate the spoon. Get it. Get it like valued. So what you need is a selfie with the spoon <laughs> and the Queen to authenticate it. <laughs> just you going just you, with your thumbs up. In the background, no, the Mom, I'm not just... gonna sell it. <laughs> You're not selling it, no. You wouldn't sell the Queen's spoon, Russ. Would you keep um, the Queen's spoon, Russ? Although, I, I did see a thing on Good Morning Brown oh, where they they was invited to the palace for one of them parties and they walked away with one of the toilet rolls. And the geezer phoned them up and said, We want our toilet roll back. <laughs> So apparently they don't chase you for the stuff. That's why you're stealing it and not me, Russ. <laughs> That's why you're gonna you're gonna bob along to Sandra and get the spoon. Because I um I uh I've just looked at the first news article, Russ. This is amazing. Um I I uh, <laughs> I've just seen a sheep on a roof. Yeah. Right, can I just say something to their podcast listeners? Producer Russ is responsible for sourcing the news. Now, we had a conversation a couple of weeks ago when he gave me news in 2022 from about 2003. That, that is, clearly, that's not news anymore. And so okay, It was in 2019. Don't be too... All right, fair enough. 2019, two years away, definitely not news. And you can't go better than two next week. It's just... I mean, to be fair to you, Russ... This first, oh, right, before we do that, then we'll talk about sheep on rooftops. But before we do that, I was actually going to do where people can write in about the... Oh, um, sorry. Jump the gun a bit there. So, (laughs) official question of the podcast, what's the last quiz competition prize you've won? And you can find out, uh, uh, you can tell us in these variety of ways uh so if you want to find us on twitter we're at all kindness if you want to find us on facebook it's the kindness project in the search bar if you want to find us on the general internet type the kindness project podcast into the search bar on google i don't know if it works on any other platform because i don't use other platforms uh if you want to find the website directly it's www.thekindnessproject.co.uk if you want to email us it's all at thekindnessproject.co.uk we have an instagram I don't know what it is. <laughs> and, and and you can uh, put in whatever um, uh, search engine you use, www.thekindnessproject.co.uk to listen to 
every single one of our 200 plus episodes um, uh, and join our community. We'd love for you to start listening to it. So thank you. Thank you for the for those guys who do. I'm saying join our community. We'd love you to start listening. Clearly you are listening. Otherwise you won't hear this. But if you found us recently, which a lot of our listeners have, um, feel free to check out the website uh, that's got um, absolutely loads of episodes and on that note we're going to move on to kindness news finish <laughs> sure yeah lucky red animal edition uk animal edition i don't know if animals can have nationalities but these ones are from all, can, are yes. from the uk uh Lucky rescue for five sheep stuck on English roof chop. Roof chop. <laughs> Sorry, that was a bit. That was a bit of a lamb joke. Um, it. Oh God, it's, it starts with a pun. This news story as well. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Is that because it starts with a pun? Yeah. You pinched it. It was a case of all's well, wool that ends wool for five sheep who found themselves on the rooftop of a house in Yorkshire and were successfully rescued by a local fireman. Well, going to no, pay- no, sorry, can I just point out, our listeners can't see this, but Russell is so pleased <laughs> that he got a pun, a news article with a pun in the first... I'm very grateful, Russ. Well, going to famous- Even though that pun was really... Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Uh, I don't know how I find the wall these days. <laughs> oh, don't be sheepish about it. <laughs> Go on then. Well, going to famous for appearing on all fours in places that boggle the mind, these five farm sheep had apparently leapt from a nearby field onto the roof where they <laughs> found. That's like a superpower. <laughs> it's like goat simulator, but for sheep. <laughs> <laughs> West Yorkshire Fire and Rescue were called to Barnsley Road in New Milladam, Milladam, England, where rescue officer Damien Cameron worked with a local landowner to create a makeshift bridge the sheep could use to escape from the roof. Couldn't they just jump off? No, because look, they're really high up. How did they jump off? I don't know. Cameron reckoned that one sheep noticed the bridge. This Rambo then dragged the other four there instinctively instinctually, as the flock animals prefer to stay as a team. Fortunately, it all turned out well as all five sheep alighted for the bridge and back into the paddock. West Yorkshire Fire and Rescue tweeted that it wasn't quite the night on the tiles those sheep were hoping for. <laughs> we're just hoping the animals weren't feeling too sheepish after their oh, See what I mean? See what I mean? That is such a fantastic um, uh, episode. And we have got another news article uh, uh, that I'm going to tell you about right now. That's the wrong. Uh, but Sophie needs to feel because, uh, oh, it's another animal. Where's one. Sophie? It's another animal one. I don't it's, see so. Why does she need to feel? She's not here. Uh, uh, she doesn't need to feel, but she doesn't anymore because uh, I found the other news article. Extremely rare pigs that can fight off bears. <laughs> this is superhero animal edition, isn't it? Sheep that can jump on houses and baby pigs that can fight off bears. Why is it so they're babies? Look at them, they are babies, look. Oh, they're bobbers. Uh, a farmer says an extremely rare pig has successfully been brought back from the brink of extinction. <laughs> it can not only fight bears, it can also fight evolution. How does that, how does that happen? 
40-year-old Michelle Burley Hodges joined a small, small group dedicated to save a rare hardy porker breed known as the woolly mangazita. 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 Uh, these are to fight off bears. She said she was inspired to rescue the curly-haired pigs after hearing her grandmother's childhood stories about a now extinct pig from her village. And she said the work being done is to having a positive is now having a positive impact with the pigs slowly recovering from just 10 in the UK now to around 50. The mother of two from Perrinwell in Cornwall. I don't think we've been there, haven't we? Perrinwell. I don't know if we have been there. Is currently one of the four farmers in the UK who have made it their mission to mission to rescue the rare pigs. Mangalitsa pigs are huge animals with long curly hair that originate from Hungary. They're not very sought after, pigs, major said, because they no longer they take longer to rear for meat, but they're really unique in the hardy animals. You do get a lot of meat and a lot of different meat, and their fat is also really good for omega-3. Some other farmers render it down for sale. It's called the golden lard. Um, so uh, she's breeding these pigs, um, and it talks about the fact that it's a global breed, and the pigs have been exported from across world as far as field as Japan and Canada due to the fact that they're so resilient. Michelle says there are even Facebook groups dedicated to the pigs. I wonder if it's as popular as the Satsuma <laughs> fan club. Um, it is. There's that, maybe there's a separate one that's the Satsuma fan club. Um, uh, Michelle says there are even Facebook groups dedicated to the pigs with owners who share their experiences and how their pigs are faring from across the world. One pig in the US was attacked by a bear which is not something we're used to here. The pig was fine, and there's even a video of it fighting the bear. Guess what I'm doing after I've finished the podcast recording. I'm, I'm doing a video I'm of Googling, fighting a bear. I'm Googling Mangus Lita pig fighting a bear. <laughs> what are you doing, Russ? I might do the same thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and that, I don't know why that's a feel-good piece of news, Russ. Well, I'll fire. Go on. There's nothing better than... People saving animals. True. Superhero animals that can fight off bears. Super yeah. pig. <laughs> Super pig. Does it come with a cape? It just feels good. People sure. love animals. All right, Russ. Any, um, yeah, um, any news about animals, people love. Oh, yeah, she did talk quite a bit about turning it into sausages as well, Russ, <laughs> which I, I felt wasn't particularly kind. Yeah, well, that, that's the best thing to do with a piece. But I'm, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, no, the best thing to do with a pig. Let's give it a little red cape. Let's <laughs> give it a little red cape. Send it into the forest. <laughs> I'm definitely not going to fight Polky that can fight a bear. I'll tell you what, I'm not. I am not messing with a man's leader pig, honestly. Right, let's move on to our interview this week. Uh, and we're speaking to Catherine Loveday from Kids Inspire. Kids Inspire is a great charity that does amazing work. Uh, Catherine was really, really lovely to talk to. Uh, so let's share part one of our interview. Welcome to The Kindness Project, Catherine. Um, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself? <laughs> how, no, how, no, no, Catherine, how are you, first of all? <laughs> really? I mean, why, 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 
why is it we've got like, sort of teenagers and social workers? <laughs> How are you doing today? You doing well? I am very well, thank you, Chris. And yeah. I'm really glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me on. No, you're welcome. We're really excited about having you on and, and hearing a lot about Kids Inspire. Um, before the before the um, the we asked the hard hitting Paxman style questions that that Charlotte's going to deliver. Um, we, before the interview, we were talking a little bit about um, fancy dress, right? Mm. And I think we've, we've never done this. And I'm going to ask this as a question of the podcast in the future. What's your favourite ever fancy dress outfit? Have you ever gone, like, as a... Or, not, not, not only you've worn, but you've seen. What's your favourite fancy dress outfit? Well, um, I can only remember ever going to one fancy dress party as an adult with my now husband, um, but many, many, many years ago, and you'll be able to place this in history by the fact that I went as Madonna and he went as Boy George. Oh, amazing. So, and I made him like a huge, tall hat out of uh, yellow cardboard and the hair was um, attached wool around the hat. Brilliant. brilliant. And my, my outfit involved a lot of lace and safety pins, I think, as far as I can remember. And a bit of cloth in between. Madonna's gone through a few phases, hasn't she, in her, yeah. in her, in her life? So, like, so the, it was the ladies and safety bits. I remember, I mean, I, I remember going, because I wasn't, I, I was sort of a, a kid in the 80s, but sort of always remember it from, like, sort of childhood. But um, the big thing for me in the, in the mid-90s is going to a fancy dress part, uh, party as Tom Selleck from Magnum. Now, Charlotte's going to look at... So I had the moustache that fell off halfway through the party, but I, just, I, so I was basically just a bloke in a in a Hawaiian shirt. Um, that was it. But yeah, have you got your favourite fancy dress outfit? Um, it's not. Uh, it wasn't for fancy dress. It was a Halloween outfit. Um, oh. and we used to do this thing where we used to, I used to go out with all the mums and the kids. Yeah. Um, and I had a ringmaster outfit one oh, year. Oh, yeah, you did. So you? it was like I had this little ring, uh, this little circus of um, little... Little <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but they weren't dressed up as, like, lions and tigers and bears, were they? they were dressed no, up one of them was like... the Hulk. <laughs> I, I'd pay to see a circus with a Hulk, wouldn't you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that would be amazing. Anyway, we're not here to talk about fancy dress. We're here to talk about Kids Inspire. Catherine... Let's start, as we always start their interviews, uh, tell us a little bit about you. Well, so um, I'm in my second career, really, as a fundraiser working at Kids Inspire. Um, I started off, um, actually, I think this is quite a common theme in fundraisers, um, started off working in banking in the city, and I did that for 19 years. And then I came, became involved in fundraising um, through volunteering in the community over, over several years, um, really through my children's school. And... Um, I, what I realised about fundraising is that I actually really connected with the feeling it gave me of making a difference in people's lives. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah. found it so rewarding. And um, so, yeah, a few years down the line, a friend of mine was a trustee at Kids Inspire, and she told me they were looking for a corporate fundraiser. And, um, uh, yeah, I, I applied for the job and was very fortunate to, to get it. And I've been doing that for six years now. So um, outside of work, um, I've got two grown up children. Um, I've got a dog. 
I'm, I like to be active. So actually, at the moment, um, I'm doing a, a walking challenge to raise money for Kids oh, Inspire. Cool. Yeah, so um, something that quite a few of us in the team signed up for, and, and some of our supporters as well, um, connected to the Royal Jubilee. We're walking uh, 500 miles um, on a virtual walk that takes us from Buckingham Palace to Balmoral. Amazing. And um, you can set yourself a time target, but I'm trying to do an average of four miles a day. So hope to finish by the end of this month, actually. Um, so yeah, can we so finish where are you walking walking? today? Are you, oh, do you, you do... don't have to do the actual route. We're not actually on our way to Scotland. But do you do the same route every day? Oh, no, no, no. No, I right. really mix it up. Um, and um, I love being outside. I love the health benefits, not yeah. just physical, but also mental and well-being. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. it's funny. I've, I've got a conversation uh, with the... Sorry, I put my hand in front of you. Not that our podcast listeners can see that. But um, I, I, um, I, I've got a conversation with somebody at the gym today just about the mental health benefits of staying fit. Um, I'm trying to, I did the London Marathon last year. And oh, I'm, well done. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I mean, I, I say did. I mean, the, the first 20 miles were all right. And then it was a, you know, if you looked at me on the app, my pace slowed down to like sort of very slow. I hit the wall at 20 miles, but I finished it and it was all, it was all fine. Uh, five and a bit hours. So I was, I was, I was over the moon with that. But then somebody told me about, um, at this challenge you can do. Uh, have I spoken about it on the podcast before? I don't know. I oh, don't no, know what no. we, we, about. All right, okay. Um, so uh, it's called the London Classics, and you can oh, do. I've spoken yeah. about it, yeah. And you can do um, London Marathon events. Do three big challenges in London. They do the London Marathon. They do the hundred mile bike ride, uh, which is used to be from London to Surrey, but is now uh, from London to Essex. Um, and they do uh, a two mile open water swim in Serpentine in oh, Hyde yeah. Park. So I'm doing the open water swim this year. Oh, well done. I am petrified, you know, because I, I need to, and the open water swimming is a brand new, I, I can swim and I can swim well, but yeah. open water is a bit of a, a brand new challenge. So I'm going to have to don my wetsuit and get training and, and get out in the lakes and rivers around there soon to, but, but to, to get ready for that. I think that's amazing. And the, that's the thing about challenges, isn't it? You know, we push ourselves outside our comfort zone and it's such a wonderful feeling when you've achieved something that you you never thought you could do yeah exactly yeah. especially for us when we're trying to encourage um people just to do some fundraising um there's, there's the added benefit of of you know um helping you other people as well yeah, yes, exactly. Exactly. yeah you're doing it yourself yeah i, yeah. I completely agree with that tell me a bit about um tell me a bit about kids inspire and the work work it does Yes, thank you. Um, so Kids Inspire was founded um, 14 years ago. Actually, it's going to be our 15th anniversary this September. So we're really looking forward to celebrating that. Um, and really, um, we were founded by a lady called Sue Bell. Um, and she now has an OBE after her name, um, a recent um, accolade for really all the effort she's put into helping um, young people and um, really make a difference in their lives and she was working as a drama teacher realized really that there are a lot of children who weren't engaging with their education and actually just couldn't find any help for them um, so she retrained as a drama therapist um, and she um, tried to get some funding to, to start a charity so at, at that time really what she was told is that there was no help for young people with 
um, experience of trauma or emerging mental health problems unless they got involved in the criminal justice system. And that, that really, really horrified yeah. her. So um, unfortunately, no funding available at that time. So she, she sort of started the charity with a loan from a friend and she kept her, her equipment in a cupboard in a school. Um, and um, really with a very short space of time, she had a queue of children at the door. Um, and, you know, it was, it was often the head teachers or the teachers in schools who realised that these children had a problem, they might be at risk of exclusion, but, you know, through no fault of their own, they'd had a bad experience, they were angry or they were withdrawn, and they really needed some help with that. Yeah. Um, sometimes it was the parents who were desperate to get help for the children. Um, and actually, there is one um, sort of case study that um, I quite often talk about when I'm, I'm giving um, talks about the charity, which was the case of a nine-year-old boy who um, actually refused to go to school. And he and his mom had been subjected to um, domestic violence, and they both developed anxiety. So gotcha. he was afraid to, to leave mom. She was afraid to him to be away from her. And um, he came to Kids Inspired, I say, when he was nine years old and worked with one of our um, play psychotherapists. And the anxiety was so intense that initially he, he couldn't even be in a room without his mom or she couldn't allow him to be in, in a room without her. And the therapist worked with them both gradually over time to, you know, the stage where mom would sit outside the door, but with the door open and then a bit later with the door closed. Um, and then eventually, as I said, it was a very long uh, period of therapy. Uh, the young man um, had the confidence to meet a tutor in a library. Um, and eventually at the age of 11, he did go back to full-time education. Um, what that story highlights to me really is the enormous positive impact that the charity can make on a young man. Yeah. I think we all know, don't we, if you stop going to school at the age of nine, if you're not able to return to education, the whole of your future is massively impacted, probably. Well, I, th I, think, I think the other interesting thing is, is the, the non-educational benefits of school. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, you're learning how to engage with people, you're learning how to work in teams, you're learning how to, you know, build relationships and friendships and losing all that um, uh, then puts you in a, you know, puts you on the back foot in life really, doesn't it? It really does, Chris. I think that's absolutely right. So, um, you know, social isolation is one of the very big yeah. issues that we grapple with, with a lot of the yeah. young people who are referred to us, actually. Um, and I remember as well in this case that this young man, he'd been part of a football team and he, you know, he, he stopped going for football and he lost all of that. And you can imagine, actually, after two years out of school at that crucial time, yeah. when you return, it's really tough making relationships you've missed out on all of those friendship groups and everything so it, it was really important work that we did with him and he actually told us when the, the therapeutic relationship came to an end he told his therapist i really hope when i'm older and i start work that i'll be able to give some money to kids as well so they can help another oh, amazing. Yeah. i love that quote and i think that really that really nicely illustrates that he realized the impact that we'd had on his life so in terms of practical work uh, that Kids Inspire do, it, is it all therapy and is that therapy individual or is it groups? Help me understand how the yeah. services you provide practically work. Yes, for sure, Chris. So referrals come to us. Um, 
initially, as I say, through schools or through GPs or social workers, but actually in, in the last 12 months, over 40% of the referrals have come directly from families themselves. And what we do, we do an assessment of the child. Everything starts with the child, but quite often um, we work with the parents as well. Um, and once we've assessed the case, then we decide what the best kind, kind of treatment will be. So yes, individual therapy is the bulk of our work. So one-to-one -one, and maybe a different therapist working with the child and another therapist working with the parents. But sometimes we get involved with quite large family groups. So there may be other relatives involved, grandparents, um, or who may be acting as carers, and quite often siblings as well. Okay. So the one-to-one -one therapy is, is quite a big element of the work, but we do also do um, different projects with groups. Um, so one that particularly comes to mind that we did, um, actually we were just planning it as, as the lock, first lockdown came, was um, a project called Sing My Own Song, where we worked with a group of teenagers to help them to express themselves through music. Okay, cool. So we had, yeah, we had music therapist, and um, we had two young volunteers um, from the local community, teenagers, one of whom is um, um, actually actually recording songs now and, and getting quite a high profile out there. Um, she kind of gave her time. Um, and... Um, it made such a big difference to these young people's lives. The, the idea originally was that we would um, run the project in person, but of course that had to move to Zoom because of the lockdowns. And we also wanted to um, have a performance, a live performance at the end of the project in a yeah. theatre, and that couldn't happen unfortunately, but we held it in, in our um, building in a COVID safe way. And I do remember that one of the young girls um, had been really so, uh, shy and so badly affected by bullying at school that her parents were very afraid that she you know she wouldn't get involved but she enjoyed it so much she actually managed to come in to the final uh, meeting for the live Amazing. performance yeah and and so you know again it, it just illustrates how you can bring together um different you know volunteers people in the community and actually we had some funding from a rotary club a local rotary club yes. they bought some mixer machines for us to help the kids um, record their music um so that that's a kind of example of one of our project work a, a mu a music is a really good medium to just help people communicate isn't it yeah. you know not when i do it did you say you were getting the you, good charlotte's got friends over today get friends so i'm being expelled but i will be back later did you say you were getting the karaoke machine out <laughs> yeah perfect <laughs> right i'm definitely coming back that's that's amazing <laughs> gonna love so that what other ways has covid sort of impacted the the work that Kids Inspire do. Are we, well, are we not talking about Mark? No, <laughs> choosing to move on. She's moving swiftly on there. I know she's she's the true professional, Catherine. That's that's the reality of it. Uh, head in the game. Let's get this interview done. Let's help Catherine. I just want to talk about karaoke and the you know, no, to, Tell us, tell us. How. Yeah. <laughs> so, Catherine, I'd imagine that during COVID, there's been an increased need for your services, right? Yeah, that's very true, Chris. Um, so many young people were impacted by the pandemic. Um, we've seen a 40% increase in services. Uh, one week we had 57 referrals and 15 of those came on the same day in the post. So it's been really, really difficult for us um, to meet the need. Um, I think, you know, the pandemic highlighted that children who were happy at school 
school, but not happy at home to spend more time at home. And that could make um, more problems for them. The ones who didn't particularly enjoy school before were happy at home, but then when they had to go back to school, that increased anxiety for them. And what we certainly noticed is that the cases that are coming to us are far more complex in their needs. Yep. So where um, children might have had one or two problems, now we see an average of four, four different um, needs. Um, yeah, Charlotte, yeah, that's right, reasons for referral. Charlotte, do you think COVID's impacted your uh, Yeah, I think, I think it has because... Obviously, before there was, um, I made this joke to my friends about like I did. I didn't go outside much, but I didn't like not having the option. <laughs> I think that's very true. Yeah, you know yeah. what? That restriction of choice is does does things to you mentally. Yeah, and then You're obviously right. you've got that thing about like we obviously know that there is a, an impact of online use and social media yeah. on. Um, mental health and because we couldn't go outside and spend time with our friends that way we all became sort of the more reliant more on the technology yeah i mean i i it's funny because i was you know I, I, certainly you know with uh with our family our youngest really thrived when she went back to school just because of that face-to-face -face socialization element you know, you know technology was a really good proxy when we needed it but um i think you know just see, there's no i think it does make us happier just being out and about seeing people face to face and having a better balance yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 one thing that i was curious about catherine was the the work you did with the nine-year-old uh, boy that you were talking about how often are the parents involved in the process and is that typical or is it normally engagement when you're counseling um with just the child um we found actually in our experience that it real if you can involve the parents and i was talking the other day to one of our um, child therapists and um she said to me quite often she'll she'll um get engaged with the children and then she'll think you know what it would it would help the parents to know how to support if they could see one of our yeah. adult therapists um at the same time so she then uh, spoke to the adult therapist who said oh yeah very often i meet the parents and they say the problem's not with us we're fine it's the child um and they say yes but actually do you know what if we can just explain to you with the child what you can do to support them um then you know possibly um things will improve for all of you and actually very often at the end of that their their therapy work the parents are very very grateful and they yes. see that the work has been a huge benefit to them as individuals you know also as a family unit and in supporting their child with the problems and i think I think the other interesting thing is when we are now just, you know, particularly in the UK, just more attuned to making sure that we look after our own mental health a bit more. So those conversations about getting support and getting help, do you think they're easier now than they were before when there was, there was more of a stigma attached to having conversations about mental health? Definitely. I think that's a very... Um, interesting issue. Um, I, I believe that people are more open to seeking help, and I think um, that's probably um, borne out in our figures, where we see more people looking for help themselves rather than by professionals to the organisation. 
they realise that they, they need help with their child um, and, and they're proactive and looking for it. And I think that's a really, really positive thing. Yeah, that's good. Well, what's the biggest issue in terms of need at the minute, Catherine? Do you need more counsellors and, and psychologists? Is it is it a, you know, is it a support, you know, where, where, if you had an unlimited pot of money, where would you spend it? Uh, it is a very interesting question. So, as I mentioned, we just in it, and last year we helped just under three and a half thousand individuals in Essex. But actually, we know that there's not really similar service in many other parts of the country. So, if we had the opportunity, I know our founder and, and CEO would love to be able to expand into other areas. And in fact, we we're looking um, at the boundaries of Essex, so Hertfordshire and Suffolk. And I think we we are hoping that as actually one of the benefits of of um, the lockdowns and starting to work with Zoom. I think we realise that we yeah geographically you can you can open can up more doors. open yeah. access to people who still want to access remotely yeah further away and um, we had some therapists working with us who you know live further away in the country and whilst i think the majority and certainly the children and um, the majority of our service users would prefer to go back to face to face there is an element of convenience for some of the adults you know if you've got a busy working day you don't yeah. necessarily have the time to come to our center in great battle maybe maybe you know you would rather do a zoom call in the evening um so yeah that, that's one of the benefits i think you've seen that was catherine what did you think about it was good i can't wait for the next one me too let's move on to here's the end of another podcast the end is never truly the end because the end is always the beginning of something entirely new and this week it's last week's question of the podcast once again which is what's the uh thing strangest thing you found in our unlikely place Al McCann said, I have found a sticker promoting a Nottingham culture magazine uh, under my bed in a hostel in San Francisco, which is quite interesting. You know, fly all the way to San Francisco, there's a badge for a Nottingham uh, culture magazine. Kieran Kavanagh said, I have found myself running the London Marathon three times. The second time, not even in London. <laughs> now, I know how that happens because... Because uh, Kieran ran the marathon in the year that I ran the marathon last year. And the year before that was the virtual London Marathon. And you can run it anywhere you want in the world. I ran it in London. But you could make the choice about not running it in London. Um, and then there's a little tale that I want to tell you. Oh, no. There's a lady that I know, a lady called Sim Simone. She works for um, the Financial Times running one of, she's an editor for one of their um, publications, the one that looks after financial advisors. And she just put up this tweet as a reply to the question I asked, and that's the dog. Um, uh, Simone just said, I once put a... Yes, I'll help you, boy. Right. I might have to do a bit of editing on that bit, Ross. Back. Yep. Come in. Yes, who's back? Back again. Back. No, 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 no. No, no, I'm going to move it. And then we received a tweet. Uh, from Simone. Now, Simone is an editor for uh, the Financial Times. She edit, edits one of their um, uh, publications and she just sent a bit of a random tweet. I once put a carrot in a kettle once 
but mostly it was an accident. Then I forgot about it. That was a crucial mistake. I wonder if James Cash, who she's copied into the uh, tweet, and others still remember that. Now, that sparked my curiosity, because, <laughs> like, who accidentally puts a carrot in a kettle? Have you ever done that, Ross? I thought it wasn't that she accidentally put the carrot in the kettle, that she put it in there intentionally. And well, no, we did have this conversation the other day, and I did say to you, that's going to be the new way to do your bench for your Sunday roast, didn't I? Well, exactly. Maybe, maybe that maybe similes found the future, and actually the way you... you that's basically yeah. slow-cooked veg. Any times you've got pressure kettle to, to <laughs> cook that veg? No, oh, because kettle boils at 100 degrees. Right. You only put a... But then it clicks off, doesn't it? When it gets there, because it assumes yeah, you're going to use the yeah, but you only water immediately, it, it clicks off. If, if you're not doing your veg in a steamer, in a pan, then all you do is boil the water, let it boil for a few seconds. I can't believe you're out. trying to persuade us to cook veg in our kettles, Russ. I wouldn't do it. There might be lime scale. Right, oh, yeah. so... So similarly decided to share the article she wrote about a uh, carrot in a kettle um, uh, story. Let me share it with you. Monday was great. I was early for work and did not have to sneak late into the usual weekly company briefing as usual. I did interview Giles Brandon brief the week before, and this write-up, together with the prospects of writing on two of my favourite subjects, meant I started the week on an editorial hire. Things soon went downhill. Firstly, my hands started to swell up. By Tuesday, they were covered in painful, itchy bumps, making it difficult to write anything for long periods. Secondly, I put a carrot in a kettle. That was not deliberate. I was fixing my salad in the office kitchen, and as some numpty had put my carrot in a freezer, I had to take it out and defrost it. Now, what's worse? Putting a carrot in a freezer... Or putting it in the kettle. Well, carrots were frozen by accident, so. Oh, yeah, because they were at the back of the fridge and the back of the fridge freezes stuff. Yeah. So, what are we saying, chaps? Freezer or kettle? Kettle. Kettle. Definitely yeah. kettle. But being free up group, uh, so um, I was feeding to myself in the kitchen, and then some numpty had put my carrot in the fridge, I needed to defrost it. But being preoccupied with an interview with a Cardiff professor on the effects of Chinese urbanisation, together with worries about my disfigured hands, I put in the kettle instead of the microwave and forgot about it. <laughs> Three hours later, someone found it and sent an email around the office asking who was responsible. I kept, that is a weird email to get, isn't it? Who put a carrot in the kettle? I mean, I've never had to send that email. There was no living down that kind of shame. As I wasn't even drunk, and there was no excuse for doing something so weird. Um, that is a great start to the week, putting a carrot in a kettle and getting an email about it. <laughs> um, uh, and thanks, thanks, buddy, for sharing that and um, uh, allowing um, uh, to, to, to get there. Um, and then to finish, Serena van der Mullen, uh, going back to her theme of finding random stuff in shoes... My sister once found a dead frog in her shoe. <laughs> and on that note, my friends, no context on that one. And on that note, my friends, have a lovely week.
We'll see you next time on the Carnage Project. Have a nice time. Bye. Bye. Bye.